Ooh, and welcome to the Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Roberts, and welcome back to the Day of Pentecost for the week of June 5th, 2022. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast, and I'm excited that we have made it to Pentecost. I think Pentecost is such an exciting moment. I think it's really fun here this week and next week with Holy Trinity Sunday, being able to actually talk about something that I don't think we talk about enough, talking about the third part of the triune God, the Holy Spirit, and being able to discuss and see how God works and uses that and is using it still today. It's the way we are able to communicate and connect with God in these times right here and now. And that's one of the exciting things with it. But I think it's also really exciting to be able to look at and contemplate and to think about how does that happen today? How does that work? But also knowing the history of where it all came from. It's an exciting piece. It's a really fun part, I think, for me at least. But before we jump into this week's text, we have to talk about last week's question, which was, do our expectations taint reality? Do our expectations spoil the surprise of God? And I think that this is something that it's very easy for us to be able to relate to. There is definitely times and places with people where we hear things and it's like, no, as I've gotten to know them, they're totally different than this. It just shows the lack of understanding that you actually have of this person or the marketing and how well, especially in the society here, at least in the United States, we love to market to people and we love to make things look transformational that maybe aren't as transformational as we initially think. And so I think it's one of those moments where it's really easy for us to understand and realize that there are things that we as people sometimes are so excited about that it's not worth the hype is a phrase we've definitely used or things where we get excited when we really make it so high and so big that they can never meet those expectations. And that's one of the beautiful things about God is God always fulfills and exceeds our expectations if we're willing and able to understand. And there's going to be times where it's like, God, I don't understand why you're doing this. And it's often that God has something else planned that's bigger, that's more where God is wanting to steer us toward anyways. And that makes our lives more the way that God had created us and intended us to be. And that's an exciting thing in and of itself. So, Let's jump into the text this week. It's difficult to introduce the text this week because we have an Acts reading that is either the first or second reading, depending on which first or second reading you want to use and which one you don't want to use. So I'm going to call that the alternative reading. So the first reading then is from Genesis chapter 11 verses 1 to 9. This is a story of the Tower of Babel. So you have all the people of the world together and they decide we're going to take brick we're going to get all the water out of it so it's really nice and strong and we're going to try building this tower all the way to the heavens as high as we possibly can and the lord decides this is not good because the part of it is the people are stating it'll be a way for us as people to look be like look at what we have done as a people God decides, no, that's not good. 
God then casts down this language that makes it so that every person is speaking a different language so they can't understand each other, and that causes them to scatter. Now, one other final thing we have to remember is Genesis 1 through 12 is considered more poetic, whereas then starting in chapter 13, it's more historic. So this is kind of the end of that poetic stage of Genesis, a little bit more of that part of it. But I think it's also recognizing here, even in the beginning where God is trying to say, no, this is not something where it's about you. This is something about we're working together in this and it's not about making necessarily this big statement of yes we're honoring god and getting trying to get closer to heaven but look at what i was able to do in that it's more about this relationship and working together with people and not necessarily looking for the credit along with it the psalm this week then is psalm 104 verses 24 to 34 and 35 b This is, again, a psalm of creation. This is one recognizing how big, how wide, how God created all these different things. We even get a Leviathan reference in here, which is the sea monster that we talk about. We even get a Leviathan reference in verse 26. And it's the recognition of how God is creating all these things in due season, in the time when they're needed, and to give praise to that, to give words and homage and thank you, and just being in awe of that and really reflecting upon that. And that's where we get in verse 35, be bless the Lord, O my soul, praise the Lord, the recognition of how amazing that really is. The second reading then is from Romans chapter 8 verses 14 to 17. This is realizing that the spirit that we are led is not a spirit into slavery, but it's a spirit of adoption, that God is adopting us in as a family, that it's welcoming us in as heirs, as we've heard probably plenty of times within the church that we're heirs of Christ, that we are in the family of Christ, that we are being welcomed into this great body. And it's such an exciting period of time. The alternative text then is from Acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 21. This is a text that most people think about when you're thinking of the coming of Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit. This is the text that people think about. And we have to first address here in verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together acknowledging that one... Pentecost in the Jewish tradition is the recognition of when Moses got the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai and came down to the people. Two, we have to also recognize when this book is written. And it might be really helpful, especially in the time and place in which we are, especially at least here in the United States. But this book of Acts is being written during the destruction of of the temple, probably, that this is right around that time period. John's a little bit after that, which we'll get to here in the gospel text, but the turmoil of what society has known is all upheaval. So this is Acts and Luke is kind of helping to provide support in this time. And I think knowing that background kind of helps with what's going on here. So we have 
The day of Pentecost, everybody's together. There's a strong, violent wind filling the entire house. You get divided tongues as a fire appearing among them. And the Holy Spirit begins to speak. And people of multiple different languages are able to understand each other because of the Holy Spirit. You then start having people asking tons of questions of what does this mean? How is this all happening? People accusing people to be drunk. Peter gets up and addresses the crowd saying, this can't be. It's only nine in the morning. How would these people be drunk? He then uses the prophet Joel, starting in verse 17, recognizing that the Holy Spirit would be coming in to help proclaim prophecy and that people would be able to have this interpreter to help us connect with God in more deep ways. And that this is then a recognition of God working in this place, recognition of God working within us. And so that's what this text is, is then the beginning of that Holy Spirit, that connection that is coming and that has arrived. The gospel text this week is out of John chapter 14, verses 8 to 17 and optionally 25 to 27. We have Philip here asking Jesus to show the Father. And Jesus kind of like, what is going on? Haven't I been here long enough for you to understand that this is something that the Father is in me and that I'm living that out? We are one. It's the whole beginning of the triune God, which we'll get into more next week. But this understanding of that I have come to show the love of God to you in a more personable way But then even getting here, starting in verse 16, that there will be an advocate, someone speaking on God's behalf, working in and amongst us that is coming. And that all of this is to help us understand of what God is like. And then we get in the verses 25 through 27, recognizing that the advocate is to help remind us of things that have been taught and to have a better understanding of who God is. And verse 27, I think, is also important to remember in all the chaos that that can bring up. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. That this is a comforting spirit, a spirit that does help steer us and guide us. And it's a spirit that gives us things that the world just cannot give us. So, before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do a shameless plug. Oh, Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I am not ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help give me some direction. Having three to four different seminary professors in their Working Preacher podcast coming out of Luther Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota, is extremely helpful to be able to look at these texts along with the other commentaries that are available right there in front of you. So if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend that. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library. Not only do they lay out the text beautifully and being able to see all the different texts for all the different major and minor religious holidays, but also looking at the art, I really enjoy being able to see how different people throughout different space and different times have interpreted these texts artistically. So if you haven't checked out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library, I'd highly recommend that. Also, 
let's take an elementary look at this text. And what I mean by that is the science topic that I want to talk about is something that is probably something that was talked about in elementary or grade school for you. And it's something that's very basic, but I think it helps lay out our understanding and being able to better grapple with and understand the Holy Spirit and the experience of what that actually means. And the way that I want to understand it is through the fire triangle. So if you remember way back to grade school or elementary school, there are three things that are needed for a fire to happen. In order for a fire to happen, you need oxygen, a fuel source, and heat and or a spark. When I look at these texts, especially as we kind of progress through them chronologically, so that would be the Genesis text to the Gospel text to the Acts and then Romans text, I think there is things that we can pick up here. I look at God as the oxygen to a fire. You need some type of oxygen to be able to help the flame work. If there is no oxygen, the fire is choked out and it dies. It needs that to keep the chemical reaction going. Fuel. Jesus helped provide the fuel. Getting people together, getting his disciples and followers together as we know, having walked out the faith, it is much easier to walk out the faith together because there are times that people are going to have to carry each other. We need that fuel. We need those people around us. But without oxygen, there is nothing there for us to be able to breathe the feed off of. But the final part that we're missing is the heat and the spark. Jesus saying that there's going to be a person coming to remind you of what I've taught you, but also to help lead you into into better understanding. The spark, the heat, the flame of the Holy Spirit. The one that's going to come in to be able to help keep the coals going. The one that gives us this final aha. The one who is trying to then slowly put together in this understanding of this triune God. I think it also is really interesting to be looking at the Holy Spirit as a fire within us, to look at it as the fires of our tongue, because fire can do great things. It can provide light. It can help us see when we wouldn't otherwise be able to see, but it also can cause a lot of destruction and can bring on a lot of hardships, especially when not controlled. It's partially why, to me, I think it's really interesting to look at it as a fire triangle that you're needing those coals that heat. Yes, you have that initial spark, but you also then need that clumping together to be able to create those coals to keep the fire going, to keep that furnace going in order for that flame to continue. I think about then when we have heard, especially here in North America for decades how we have done fire repression hearing smoky bear say time and time again only you can prevent forest or slash wildfires we have heard that but as we have studied and looked into it we have also realized the damage of what that can also do 
We've learned further and further the need for fire. We've talked about in this podcast before Yellowstone and the fires that have happened out there. And we've talked about fire before. And we know about how there's different tree species such as the jack pine that is dependent on fire because that's when the seeds in its cones actually release, seeing that there is lots of carbon and nitrogen that have now been released into the soil after a fire has gone through, after wiping some of that vegetation out, giving them a better chance of survival that the forest needs a fire. But I stumbled across a video put out by SciShow, and you know I've talked about SciShow multiple times before, talking about how fish, specifically in the northwestern part of the United States, are finding that they are more and more dependent for salmon, specific types of salmon, with fire. And I'll attach the links down in the show notes. But to give you the quick and dirty version of it, fire not only can cause a lot of issues initially, and not only is it putting a lot of different compounds into the water, you're adding additional trees, which has the carbon and ash and different things. You also, when then the trees are dying, they're putting out, like we've talked about a couple weeks ago, releasing all those nutrients into the water, which then has algae blooms, which then allows for fish to feed really well for a short period of time. But if they can't eat it all, then the detritivores are breaking it down, sucking up all the oxygen in the water, making it thus harder for fish and different things to be able to live, the trees dying is also then making that their tree roots are dying, meaning that erosion is more possible as that is slowly giving way. But one of the things that can happen out of it that's so vital for these ecosystems is when you're having trees fall, it changes the dynamics of the river. As it's getting the loosening of the soil, suddenly maybe you have new boulders become part of the waterway, creating new pools that are deeper, that allow for things to be cooler. Having trees crossing the river to create dams that make it easier for juvenile fish to be there. You see, these events that are seen as devastating, these events that we see that change everything, yes, in the short term can be very, very difficult, but in the long term can also provide life. There's a lot of times that we especially fall into the problem with the news cycle of that's no longer news. How often after a fire do we go back a year, five years later to see how the forest is recovering, to understand that the new life is coming up. Not that that just took care of everything and there is no longer life there, but now there is new hope. There is new change that is good that is happening. Remember where this text is falling. This is falling after the ascension of our Lord last week or the seventh Sunday, both of which the seventh Sunday text where Jesus is praying for us and setting the disciples up for what is about to come. Letting them know that I will not always be with you. The ascension text saying, yep, here I am. There's been all these different things. They're together. He prays. Boom, he goes up. They worship. But that's a huge change. 
All of this is change. Think about the Acts text and when it is written. It is written when the temple is being overthrown and destroyed. All the history that is right there is being destroyed in front of their eyes. The chaos, the things of what is going on. But yet, we are still here. Life moved on. New life came out of that. The fire that was seen as destructive brought new life. Fires wiping through an area, yes, is devastating. But it also allows for new life to come. It's amazing how many of these different things kind of tie together as we've kind of talked through the last few weeks. We talked about the chestnut-sided wobbler a couple weeks ago. Remember what habitats that is looking for. It's looking for open grasslands. If you think of a fire going through a forested area, there will be a period of time where that is an open, sketchy grassland. Could be good for something like a chestnut-sided wobbler. But in 20 years, do I expect that chestnut-sided wobbler to be there? No, because things continue to change. We get to see the elements of God and the complexities of God through the breath and bringing life and the creativeness of God, the God who brings us all together in Jesus to help us better understand what God is all about and the Holy Spirit to remind us of these but also to bring us into deeper relationship and connection, understanding that there is going to be change that happens. But how important that also is for us. Acknowledge what has happened and the wonderful things that have happened. Acknowledge the amazing abilities of God, but also realize it's not going to be like that forever. As human beings, we struggle with this. This is our battle. Nature seems to have a better grasp of it than us. That there are going to be things that change, that come and go. And yet we want to hold on to that. But yet we're not designed that way. We're designed with fire. Being our advocate, the symbol that we acknowledge the Holy Spirit as fire. To be responsible with it. To provide light with it. To provide hope with it. And acknowledge when everything is up in flames, it doesn't necessarily mean everything is over. That period of time might be over, but our lives are not over. The soil now is ripe for God to come in and acknowledge that this is the next phase of what we are wanting done. I think in a lot of ways with where we are as a church, as a world, this is where we are at. There are fires or fires that the tinder is ready to go up in flame and acknowledging that. There is things that we can look behind us where the ground is absolutely parched. It is black. There is nothing left. Instead of mourning that, recognizing that this is an opportunity of hope. This is an opportunity to love. This is an opportunity to understand the new ways that God is moving. This is the moments where we understand what hope is really about, what love is really about. So the question I have for you this week is, in destruction, do you see hope? And then explain your answer. In destruction, 
do you see hope? And explain your answer. Because we see the good that fire can bring. The benefit of what an ecosystem needs fire for. The benefits, heck, that we like fire for. Having a candlelight dinner. Having it to be able to provide light and not cast shadows. Bring the darkness away. But we know when uncontrolled, it's extremely damaging. And there's times within the faith we have done that. There are times when we have needed a candle, but no one has the flame. And there are times when we haven't known the difference. The hope we need to be able to provide, the hope that we need to be able to see, the love that we need to be able to bring is challenging. It's not get cocky. It's not to make it about us. It's not about to to show how great we are. We saw that in the Tower of Babel, that that isn't good. The Psalm, Peter, Romans, John. John even gets to the element where we are trying to like, I'm trying to grapple and just understand this part of it. And Jesus be like, you don't get it. It's all encompassing. You got to give praise. You got to say thanks. And you got to acknowledge that it's there. And you have to acknowledge the ability of how all of those all work together all the time. And that you're in a balancing act to try to make this all work. And you have to be okay with that. Because that's giving up free will. That's the ability for you to give up your free will. And not to be a slave, as Paul was putting it, to be adopted in. Acknowledging that these are the house rules. But the freedom that that actually gives us. The ability to see hope and love in situations that look to be devastating. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to put ourselves in those situations? Are we willing to be in those uncomfortable positions? That's the ability of the Holy Spirit. That's the ability of what we can see because we have seen the effects, the positive effects that fire brings in the long term. It's hard in the short term, but it's powerful and needed for long-term growth. And we need to be able to allow that to happen. And we'll get into it a little bit more next week with Holy Trinity Sunday. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.